Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services at 8.15, 9.45, or 11 a.m. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. This morning we lit uh, or light the love candle. And I want us to think today as I begin about how love is born in us. That uh, in fact when we have God, when we have Christ, we are given the capacity to love and to receive love. Listen to uh, these words that John the Apostle wrote in his epistle Chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, when he says this, and by the way, as I read just these verses, I want you to listen for the references to God being in us, and as a result, that love is in us. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us His Holy Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him, in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. For God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus, but there is no fear in love, for perfect love drives out fear. We see in this passage that John gives us that when we have God, we have love. And there's a reference uh, this afternoon in, uh, in our Christmas program. There's a song that we're going to be singing. And by the way, I hope you're able to come back this afternoon over to Baker at 4 and 6. But there's a song that's going to be sung that, uh, that says, Love makes a home. Love makes a Bethlehem. Or our hearts a Bethlehem. Love makes our hearts a Bethlehem. And I want us to think this morning about Bethlehem. But you, Micah chapter 5, prophesied, You, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over all Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient of times. Bethlehem, you know, 
I had, uh, growing up, of course, we, I heard a lot about Bethlehem, but I didn't quite understand exactly where Bethlehem was. And I don't know if you know this, but I love maps. I'm a very visual person. So uh, this has really helped me. You've got the nation of Israel, Judea and Samaria, the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River. You've got uh, Jerusalem. In fact, let me zoom in right here on Jerusalem, which is the capital. And uh, let me go back one more. That's Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is, uh, is just five miles to the north of Bethlehem. Now let me put that in perspective. Do any of you know where Norlow Park is? Norlow Park from here is 5.1 miles, okay? Does that seem very far? Is Norlow Park very far from right down, downtown uh, Chambersburg? Not at all. It's just up the road. That is how close, literally, that is how close Bethlehem is to Jerusalem, just five miles south. So I had the opportunity to be in Jerusalem about five or six years ago, six years ago. And this is a picture. We got up early one morning. This is the morning Jerusalem traffic. That's the old city of Jerusalem. We're on the south edge of what's called the old city, which is tucked right in downtown Jerusalem. You've got this ancient wall and the old city. So we were driving right on the southern outskirts of the old city, and we went south, and right when you get outside of those buildings, this is what you see. It becomes pretty barren for a few miles when you drive through the various valleys there, leaving Jerusalem and heading down to the south. We drove another mile, and I saw this sign. This road leads to Area A under the Palestinian Authority. This is called the West Bank. So between here and Norlo Park, in these five miles that you leave Jerusalem and drive down towards Bethlehem, you leave Israeli, Jewish-occupied Israel, and you pass through what is called um, the West Bank into Area A. We went another mile, and literally we had to pull the bus Aside, I snapped this picture out the front window of the bus while some guys with machine guns were talking to our bus driver. And um, so we were, we were literally now entering into, uh, into an area, Bethlehem, where Jews are not allowed. So our bus driver um, actually was given a very special permit. He had to remain on the bus the whole time. Our tour guide who was Israel, who was Jewish, he had to get off, and they have a spot for them. So we were now only allowed into Bethlehem uh, because we were on this tour, and, um, and our Jewish tour guide was not able to go. We drove another block up, and on the side of a building, it said, Welcome to Bethlehem. <laughs> we welcome you on your journey as we welcomed the Prince of Peace. Pray for the freedom of Palestine. So that's what welcomed us. I want to show you, it's interesting, that right here on the side of the wall is a street marker. We literally were on Jerusalem Road, and it told you exactly how far Jerusalem was. 8.57 kilometer, if you look it up, that's 5.3 miles. So Jerusalem is literally 5.3 miles to the north of that intersection. Uh, we went on up a little further. I just thought I'd snap a picture. They did have a Starbucks. Well, not really. Stars and Bucks. 
<laughs> How appropriate for Bethlehem, right? Stars and bucks, right? There you go. So <laughs> that was pretty funny. So um, this, I actually didn't take this picture, but I want to show it to you by just to give you some perspective. And I, I realize I'm getting into a little, you know, this isn't uh, digging into Scripture, but it, it helps for us to understand where Bethlehem is and to picture it in our minds. So this is a perspective shot looking north, and you can actually see ahead the Dome of the Rock. You see that building right there? That's a shrine built on the Temple Mount. Uh, it, it's, a shrine, it's not a mosque. It's a shrine that was built in 691 A.D., 1,400 years ago. Uh, the uh, Muslims built a shrine literally right on top of Mount Moriah, which is where uh, Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. And they believe that's literally over the site of the Holy of Holies in, the Solomon, uh, in Solomon's temple. But now there is this dome of the rock. So that's where that is. This ridge line right here, does anyone know that, what that ridge line is? It's called the Mount of Olives. Right across from, from the old city of Jerusalem is the Mount of Olives. You go on up the, south on the Mount of Olives. This is Bethany. Bethany is where Lazarus was raised from the dead. And it's where Jesus uh, spent his last few nights of Holy Week. And you see this ridgeline right here. Folks, that's Bethlehem. Bethlehem is literally, as I said, between here and Norlo, or from here to Norlo Park in relationship to the old city of Jerusalem. So right here on the outskirts of Bethlehem, you go into this little park-like area called Shepherd's Field. And uh, that's where they believe that the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks by night. In fact, you go up to the edge of this path and look over the wall, and that's what you see, Shepherd's Field. It's still, no, no one has, has built there in the 2,000 years since the time of Christ. And as you can see, uh, it's, it's very rocky and a lot of, of grasses, but they believe that Jesus was probably born in a cave right out here in Shepherd's Field. And uh, I, I threw this picture up because I found it interesting that this is from about 130 years ago. This is Bethlehem and Shepherd's Field in the late 1800s. And I put this up really also because it connects us to a song. How many of you know the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, right? O Little Town of Bethlehem. That song was written by a pastor, a rector, Episcopal pastor of the Church of the Holy Trinity in Philadelphia. The story is Phillips Brooks, who by the way was about 6'7", he was just a giant of a man, never married, loved little children, and he pastored, uh, was the priest of this uh, Holy Trinity Episcopal Church in Philly in 1865, just nine months after uh, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, after the end of the Civil War. Later that year, he visited Bethlehem. And uh, the story goes that as he was there visiting, he, on Christmas Eve day, 
He took a, uh, a horseback, rode horseback, from Jerusalem, those five miles down to Bethlehem. There in Bethlehem was the Church of the Nativity. He went to a service that night that went from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. on Christmas morning. And he worshipped there in the Church of the Nativity. And that got deep inside his heart, deep inside his mind. Because three years later, after having visited Bethlehem, and by the way, this is how Bethlehem would have looked when he would have been there. These are pictures of Bethlehem from the 1800s. And uh, so as he would have been there in the Church of the Nativity, three years later, in December of 1868, Phillips Brooks is sitting down to write a, a sermon for Christmas, an Advent sermon. And his mind just kept going back to his experiences in Bethlehem three years earlier. And he wrote a poem, the first line of which, O little town of Bethlehem, and this is in his handwriting, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Just to tell you kind of the rest of the story about how the song came together. He heard as he's literally in his study writing this, these lyrics. This, and it came to him very quickly, these four verses. He heard uh, Lewis Redmond, the organist, practicing the organ in the sanctuary. And he went into Lewis and he said, Lewis, I just wrote a poem. Can you set this to music? And I'd like to sing it on Christmas Day in our services. And Lewis, I guess this was probably a couple of weeks leading up to Christmas, he could not come up with a tune and woke up at midnight Christmas morning, midnight of Christmas Eve, and the tune, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, came to his mind. And he wrote it out, just the treble line on a simple piece of paper, went back to sleep, woke up Christmas morning, and filled in the orchestration for a little town of Bethlehem. Cool story, isn't it? And yet, what I really want to point out to us and let us think about today is that Phillips Brooks understood something far deeper than just this little town of Bethlehem. When you look at the other verses, here's verse 2. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. O morning stars together proclaim the holy birth and praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. But then in verse 3, Phillips Brooks turns a corner and he begins likening Bethlehem to our hearts. In fact, he says this, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Do you see where he's going with this? He's comparing our hearts to Bethlehem. And then he really pulls it together in verse 4 when he says, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. Now let me tell you, this 
I pulled off the internet, and this is the way the lyric reads today. But this is not how he wrote it. There's one word changed from how Phillips Brooks wrote the poem to how we sing it today. And you know what that word is? It's the word to. Because the way Phillips Brooks wrote it was, be born in us today. Big difference. Christ hasn't just been born to us. We must open our hearts for Christ to be born in us. That's really the heart of Christmas. And in fact, we see it. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1, would you please? And in Luke chapter 1, we see the story of the incarnation, of how Jesus was born in Mary. The result of the Holy Spirit, which by the way, interestingly, is exactly what John, in John chapter 4, I read it for you earlier, that is exactly how we receive the gift of Christ in our hearts, how love is born in us, we read in verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, who just seven or eight months earlier had visited Zechariah and Elizabeth, or Zechariah to be specific, uh, to Nazareth. Gabriel gets dispatched to Nazareth, which is where Mary was from, a town in Galilee, which by the way, let me just pause to say that fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 that says, but you, Galilee, shall be great among the nations. And we see now that uh, there was Mary, a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, which by the way fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, God with us. So we have Nazareth in Galilee. We have a virgin, fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. In those four lines, three huge prophecies are fulfilled. Galilee, a virgin, and a descendant of David. Psalm 132 verse 10 says this, verse 11, The Lord swore an oath to David, an oath he will not revoke, one of your own descendants I will place on your throne. Jesus came as a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Of course, Mary responds the way everyone responds in the Bible. When an angel appears to them, she is greatly troubled and afraid. Uh, the angel says, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. This is way before ultrasound. This is the very first gender party. Think about that. History is being made. And you are to call him Jesus. Yeshua, Joshua, which means God our rescuer. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. 
And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, Zechariah, just a few verses earlier when Gabriel made this announcement, to him, Zechariah says, really? No, I don't believe it. Mary says, how will this be? But you need to know, this is not a doubting. She just didn't know how this could happen. She said, I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit, just like I read for you in John 4, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. I love verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. She had faith, didn't she? I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Church, it is by faith that we receive within us Jesus himself. It's not a stretch, just like it wasn't for Phillips Brooks, to understand that what God was doing in Mary and what God was doing in Bethlehem is exactly what he does in our hearts when we receive God by faith. Phillips Brooks understood something very profound. Christmas isn't just about Jesus coming to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. It's about Jesus coming into our hearts today. When we have Jesus, we have love in us. To illustrate this, I love this video. Let's take a look. Think about love, a knock at the door and it's the delivery man with flowers. That flutter in your chest when you see their name pop up on your phone with a text. The smell of melted chocolate when the waiter brings around dessert on date night. Think about love, the whole family cuddled up by the fireplace, the warm weight of the baby asleep on your chest. The 200th lunch date with a lifelong friend still going strong. When we experience love in our lives, in any of its forms, we long for the moment to last. We revel in it and think to ourselves that this is the way life should be. Unconditional love isn't winding down or temporary or contingent on performance. You were made to long for love, a love unfailing and bottomless, a love stronger than death that looks on tempests and is never shaken. Love is brave. Love came down from heaven as a baby, born in a barn to young, frightened parents at the outskirts of society. Love took human form as a humble carpenter who became homeless and spent his time with the lame, the sick, and the despised, only to himself be rejected and despised, and yet still go on loving those who hurt him. You were made to long for supernatural love, the kind that compelled Jesus to leave his glorious throne in heaven, to take on our human frailty, and to be okay with it all starting in a cow's feeding trough on a cold night in Galilee. 
That's the thing about love. Mm. It will take you places you never thought possible. This Christmas, through Jesus, we have love. That yearning in our hearts to be loved is a yearning for God himself. We were made to long for love. And as the video said, love came down from heaven as a baby, born in a barn to a young, frightened parents at the outskirts of society. This Christmas, through Jesus, we have love. We have the opportunity today to receive Christ in a fresh way, to experience the very body and blood of Jesus as we receive Him in communion, to partake of Him. Yes, they are elements, they are symbols. But I'm praying today that as we partake of this communion, that you open up your hearts today in a new way to the love of God, that Christ will be born in a fresh way in you today. Our Father, we come to this table grateful for your love poured out to us. Lord Jesus, we open up our hearts to you. We ask that you, Emmanuel, God with us, would be born in our hearts that you will enter into the dark streets of our lives and that you will shine your light into our pain, into our hurting, into our emptiness. And that right now, Jesus, this Christmas, today, through Jesus, we might know and experience and have love born in us. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services, 8.15 a.m., 2 at 9.45 a.m., as well as 2 at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there.